Hello and welcome to this premium podcast of the Lotus Eaters that's hosted by me, Harry, and I'm joined by Josh. Hello. And I thought it would be really interesting to go over some demographic information about the voting patterns and policy preferences of different demographics in America, because I have often seen this idea put out there, mostly in regards to Cuban Americans who come over to Florida and vote for Republican that the progressivism that we get coming over in the West at the moment could be stemmed, we could prevent it from taking quite a hold in our institutions and across our culture if we simply imported a lot of based foreigners from Catholic or otherwise socially conservative countries to come over to our countries and they will somehow shift the culture in a more conservative direction and defeat the progressives in some sense. Now, the most recent example I can think of, and the thing that really inspired me to talk about this, was a debate that happened, I think, a month or two ago between Dave the Distributist, you're aware of him, correct? Of course. And a centrist Twitch streamer called Counterpoints, I think is his name. I've heard of them as well. And it was a very amusing debate and got far more heated. Dave got far more heated than I've ever seen him in any debate before. Um, but counterpoints made the point that, oh, well, if we have more immigration coming into the country from Catholic countries and places like Cuba, that's fine because they all vote Republican anyway. And I thought it would be interesting to look into this because Dave countered it at the time with some information that made me want to examine it further. I thought I'd examine it further with you mm -hmm. and with you, our faithful audience. Because I haven't actually looked at the data yet, but I do have a background of looking at data um, in academia. So... I would like to think I know what I'm doing, but my sort of initial um, thoughts on it before you've actually gone through and, and shown me it, because I'm sure my thinking will develop because I've not really looked into it, mm -hmm. would be that it's sort of sugar for the bitter pill of mass immigration, isn't it? It's saying, oh, well, yeah. it's not all bad, right? It's a cope. But then if you had no immigration, then, you know, the Republicans would win every time. Yes, that's my main thesis, I think, going forward. And just to, to give you the conclusion that I've come to right at the beginning, and then you can decide whether the evidence that I've provided supports this conclusion, is that it won't work, and that all you're essentially doing is speeding up your own replacement. We know that the Great Replacement is not a conspiracy theory. Now even somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy can go out onto a public platform and say, out loud on national television that the Great Replacement is not a conspiracy theory. I am somebody who cares about the well-being and existence of the British people and of the American people. And so suggesting that by somehow importing a load of foreigners who might be socially conservative, which is a very broad term to use, that we might save British culture, you'll be replacing British culture with the culture of whoever's coming in in the yeah, mass well, migration. You could you could make the case that if we imported lots of people from Saudi Arabia, they're going to be socially conservative, yeah. but not all social conservatism is created equal. No, and also it takes on the cultural characteristics of the people who are embodying those those traits as well. So British conservatism comes out one particular way, Saudi Arabian conservatism <laughs> comes out a very different way. And just because you label them under this same branch and umbrella doesn't make them all the same, doesn't make them equal, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm not an egalitarian. Well, it's this sort of universalism that has plagued Western thinking that um, everything is the same between cultures. It's basically denying these cultural differences. And that this um, is in part accidental in that a lot of research that's been trying to look at universals in humans to look at human nature has found them in aspects of culture, but then that's just because human beings are relatively similar biologically and therefore they're going to have 
know, similar cultural manifestations mm. of similar pressures and things like that. Well, I think a lot of people examine it as a form of party pol uh, political maneuvering mm. in that they see that this demographic, when they come to our country, tends to vote one way. And this is a way that I too vote for. So the Cubans, they say, well, they vote for Republicans. Therefore, we get a load of them in, they'll all vote Republican, and the Republicans will get in, and overall we'll somehow be able to bring America back. That's, it's like football teams, isn't it? Yeah. You're asking, you're making a monkey paw um, uh, um, promise. Uh, promise with that, because what you're, you're really hedging your bet on the idea that all of these supposedly based foreigners will support the... Uh, ostensibly right-wing party, which is not guaranteed and very unlikely, as we'll find out. But also, you're hedging your bets that if you do that, the Republican Party won't change their own policy positions to better fit with those foreigners, rather than what you consider mm -hmm. a proper American culture to be. To use a sort of less contentious example, I suppose, you can look at all of the British people retiring in Spain, and sure, a lot mm. of them are going to vote for policies that are going to be more on the right. So the, the right in Spanish politics may say, oh, well, um, if they do have you know, full citizenship, then that's okay. I, d I don't even know if they can. It's just you know, an example. Um, but they might say, okay, well, these people are at least voting alongside us. But then British culture and Spanish culture, there is a difference there. And you know, it, it, mm. we're going and to go over there and, and we're going to be making fish and chips when they're going to have you know, their, their paella and their tapas. There's also another aspect that we need to take into account here, which will become very clear, which is group dynamics. Groups have um, I policy ideas that they want to put forward that will benefit their group. So using the Sp uh, English and Spain example, if you're English and you've got a choice between two parties, consider that you might want to bring your own family over to Spain at some point in the future. And the left-wing party is saying, We've got all of these policies that you may not like, but we're going to open up the borders and your family will be able to come over here. Or the right-wing party is saying, we've got a few policies that you do like, a few you disagree with, but we'll definitely make the borders stricter so your own family can never come here. Who are you more likely to vote for? We are social beings and we care about the attachments that we have, especially to family. If there's a choice of being able to have your family with you, especially imagine if it's a spouse or children, if you can bring them over to be closer to you, or you can vote for a party who kind of have some social values that you agree with, but will make it impossible for you to do so, who are you more likely to vote for? Mm -hmm. I don't have much sympathy for people in that scenario because you're basically prioritizing um, the economic welfare of, of yourself over the potential um, damage it might cohesion. do to the host nation that you've yeah, found well, yourself that in. And the cohesion of your family, because say, um, you get the similar thing in Britain, whereby a young man comes over, and then it's you know his wife and kids eventually, then it's his grandparents, then it's his cousins, and then all of a sudden the whole extended family's in there. But and the entire neighbourhood that they've moved into has started to be replaced, and then it mm -hmm. only it only takes that one neighbourhood by neighbourhood. But as you can see, especially with mass migration, these people come in, and culture is not just something that is a floating set of abstract value. Culture is the behavioral tendencies of particular people. So if you get a load of mu uh, Muslim immigrants come and move into your neighborhood, if they replace everybody except for you, all of a sudden you find that you're living in a place that is very similar to third world uh, Muslim countries, because that is the way they behave. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're going to move in and all of a sudden they're, they're having tea and scones 
of an afternoon and, and asking about the weather. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. But to get into the information, so here's a good example that I've seen of this recently. This is an infuriating Andrew Tate post that he put up on Twitter. Another one? Where back in July, Active Patriot posted that there was a Muslim billionaire who wanted permission to turn one of London's most famous landmarks into a mosque. It's a very clear sign of colonialism that we are being colonized from our own um, our own capital city outwards. It's where this is going on. It doesn't and, happen in um, Middle Eastern countries. Sorry no, to cut you off there, but it certainly does. We're not building lots and lots of churches. In fact, the, the number of churches in the Islamic world, I think, is actually going down. The last it time would, I it saw it, I might be misremembering. As I see a lot of statistics about pretty much everything, but to my knowledge, they're actually going down, whereas the number of mosques in the West is going radically up. That's part of the mm. reason why um, the Islamic world think that they can carry out a sort of conquest of Europe without bloodshed. Certainly that's how some on the ground are seeing it. You see mm. plenty of videos of Muslims standing around churches that are being converted into mosques and gloating about it, which is grounds for deportation. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But Andrew Tate says, this building is literally dead centre in the middle of London's historic centre. Amazing news, the only alternative to Islam for Brits are pride flags, as they no longer have any innate culture or patriotism. That may be true that the patriotism is dying. I still think we have culture, because British culture is the behaviour of the British people. Mm -hmm. And so what you're actually advocating there for, Andrew, is not saving Britain. You're advocating for the conquest of Britain. Just because one side is trying to conquer me with pride flags and gay stuff, and you're trying to conquer me with mosques and Islam, doesn't mean I have to take either side in that fight. Yeah, well, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, isn't it? It doesn't, you know, just because a lot of the pride stuff is being shoved down our throats, also doesn't mean that your average person is just like, yes, this is my culture. It's not like every single street has a pride flag flying outside. I mean, you only needed to see, say, the, the coronation and sort of mm. the, the royal pageantry. There were a lot more flags out and about then than I see for Pride events. Yeah, it's, it's and a in Pride Month, it's, it's, it's a false, false equivalence. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a false divide. It's a false um, uh, uh, parity that's being positioned between these two. That you can only have one or the other. I choose mm. neither. I choose the native culture of the British people, which has been weakened, which has been attacked for decades, but I don't think is entirely gone. Even if we can bring it back in the future, it won't obviously be the exact same as it was before, but we but can that's... have something better than either what mm -hmm. we've got now or what Andrew Tate is offering. Well, the, the whole notion of conservatism, not that I care about necessarily being orthodox, I care about you know results. Whatever works well, what, whatever's healthy for people is what mm. I'm interested in. Whatever label you want to put on it, fine. But... There's there's still going to be some amount of change, isn't there? Because the circumstances have changed. You can't just go back to okay. I I really like 1872. Everything's going to return to that that date specifically. Oh, good year, good year. I picked it off the top of my but, head. But, but also re remember that people of the West, as we've covered recently in the contemplations on genetics, tend to be uniquely universalist people, and we tend, mm -hmm. especially in Britain. We have these lofty universal abstracts that we like to apply everything to. But sometimes it's good to do what we used to do back in the day and apply everything to the nitty gritty of pure self-interest. Because you're Andrew Tate, you have an idea of what you want England to look like, you've recently converted to Islam. Obviously, it's in your self-interest to cheer along the values that will make it so that Islam has an easier time getting into the UK. And you will paint up, you will paint that in any abstract value that the country that you're trying to conquer 
adheres to. So they will they will appeal to your values as a way to substitute them with their own values. And if you don't recognize that, then if you are facing any kind of organized group, you will lose every single time. They will appeal to your morality so they can impose their morality because they don't actually care about your morality. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say one thing. Yep. Um, this isn't necessarily relevant to the content of the conversation, just something about this tweet which I thought was funny. Allah is the best of planners. And I look forward to seeing the Islamic Republic of Great Britistan in her final form. I mean, I'm sorry, Allah is the best planners. I imagine. Uh, well, have you have you been to the Middle East lately? I'm um, hoping. I I don't know because I don't know if Andrew Tate understands humour, but I'm hoping there's an element of trolling in this tweet. But <laughs> I also believe that this is probably something he genuinely does believe. But anyway, mm. onto the initial argument about Florida. Cuban Republican voters. I thought I would take a look into that. So I got this article and I've extracted the relevant information here. And it says about how Latinos um, as a block tend to vote Democrat because, of course, they are foreigners coming into the country. They have family that they want to bring over. And the Democrats say, we'll give you free stuff and we'll make it easier for your family to come over and get more free stuff. So, of course, on a as a whole, they're going to vote more in that direction. But they say in here, Latinos are not a monolithic voting block, but when it comes to the Cuban-American vote, many of them continue to lean toward the Republican Party, and one candidate in particular, Donald Trump. Nationwide, 58% of registered Cuban voters say that they are Republican. And that's still quite a fine line, only 58%, but still. In Florida, they have helped distinguish the state's Latino vote from that of the nation overall. According to a study conducted by the Pew Research Center, who are people I'm going to be relying on a lot for this, 54% of Florida Cubans voted for Trump in 2016, compared with 35% of the state's Latino voters overall. A group of Cubans spoke with the Tampa Bay Times about why they favor Trump, and this is the really important part. You need to actually examine people's motivations, stated and revealed preferences for why it is that they're doing these things. Why they favor Trump over DeSantis as the Republican candidate for the 2024 presidential race. They say... They support him because of his hardline stance against Cuba during his four years in office. He imposed travel restrictions to the country and designated it as a state sponsor of terrorism. So they want him because he does things that are favorable to them as a group. Not because that they have some great belief in American conservatism, at least not stated here, not because of any grand overarching values that they say they espouse. No, he's giving us what we want. And that is what most democratic party politics always devolves into. Who's giving me what I want? You mean democratic in the political sense, not the actual party sense, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a manifestation of the kind of electoral systems we have in the West now, where all of a sudden certain communities, as they're, they're often called, I mean, it's, it's a silly term because to my mind, a community is a self-associating thing. It's not just we have the same amount of melanin in our skin or we're from, you know. Of course, I mean, Africa, people like to say Africa is some gigantic monolithic block, black people as mm -hmm. a whole, but within Africa, as we saw in Rwanda, there are ethnic groups that have massive hatred for one another. Yeah, so I much prefer to look at things, um, if you're going to look at it from that side of things, look at it through sort of ethnicity, because there's, that's also um, how you can understand the conflicts in Britain, right? Because everyone's technically from the UK, in the United Kingdom at least, not in Ireland. Um, I know a few American political commentators run afoul of that. They thought that Belfast 
was uh, in the Republic of Ireland. Um, oh dear, that's a dangerous mistake to make. <laughs> you know, you're going to lose quite a few Northern Irish fans. Interestingly, sorry, there's a, a something I remember, an old anecdote from a Dave Mustaine from Megadeth interview <laughs> that I read in a magazine back in the day that he was playing, I think it was in Belfast one time in the late 1980s, and he went up to, right before he was about to go onto the crowd, the guy, one of the stagehands came up and said, hey, these guys are really, really factional, so you need to make sure that you're supporting the right faction. Doesn't tell him which faction it is. I think they were all supporters of the IRA, and he gets up on stage, thinks it's the other way around, and gives a shout out saying, we're going to get those bastards. And then the entire <laughs> crowd starts rioting. <laughs> I think I've heard about this before. I might have told you about it before. I don't mm -hmm. know. But yeah, um, even even within ethnic groups, there's tensions. Like You can look at sectarianism in Scotland, and it's basically along religious rather than ethnic lines because the ethnicity is similar. So there are lots of things that can divide groups. And if you just take a blanket look at them and just say, these people are similar... You might be missing something, and you know this is my sort of um, research methodology chops coming into play here. That you treat a population of people um, as if you know there are as many exceptions to the rule as possible, so, just so, so you can be as precise as possible. So it's a form of methodological individualism, as Mises yeah. would put it as well. I like that term too. It but, is a good one. Um, I forgot the original point I was actually trying to make. I've just made a pedantic point about sampling rather than. Still, though, I'm sure it's somebody useful. found something from it. I, I hope that everybody watching this is getting something useful from it. Because moving on to the next one, this is the one that Dave, the distributist, referenced directly. And I found what I assume was his original source for it. Because this is the ultimate narrative destroyer of if you import loads of conservative foreigners, they will automatically vote for the policies that you appreciate and that you want, and they will automatically join your side and party politics. And that is the Turkish diaspora in Europe, uh, particularly in Germany, because Turkish people, and I only learned this in researching for this, are able to vote for their national elections when they're part of the diaspora in international countries. And this is a really interesting case study, because, well, surely, if they're in another country, they're voting in those elections, and they're voting in the national country, you would expect politically left and right for those to line up with one another. If they're voting left-wing in Germany, you'd expect them to vote left-wing in Turkey. But mm. does that play out? No. No, it doesn't. More than 5 million people of Turkish descent live in Europe, and their votes impacted the results of the latest election, with each politician having their own regional strongholds. Around 3.4 million of them are registered to vote abroad compared to 64 million inside Turkey. In some places, like the Baltic states and Belarus, the first ever polling stations for Turkish citizens were opened up, spreading political rivalries to the newfangled frontiers. That's always a fun part of mass <laughs> migration, isn't it? When all of a sudden, for, not, not just foreign ethnic and religious conflicts get imported to your shores, but foreign party politics conflicts get imported to your country Was that as written well. in Euro News, was it? Yes, this was written in Euro News. Very interesting. interesting. But I think um, Euronews is um, a, a right-wing outlet, to be fair. I can't remember. One of them is, is made to sound like it's very um, Brussels-aligned, mm. but it's actually on side. I can't it remember which either, one it is. Either way, there's some very interesting information. Mm -hmm. But the, the Turkish example is a great one. It is, because here it is straight from the uh, horse's mouth as I go through this. 
There were not many surprises in the diaspora vote, said Paul Levin, director of Stockholm University's Institute for Turkish Studies. Erdogan remains strong in Germany and France as he did in 2018. Home to the largest, largest Turkish diaspora, more than 700,000 votes were cast in Germany, with some 66% going to Erdogan and 33% for name I'm not even going to try to pronounce and 1% to Sinanosian, leader of the ultranationalist MHP party. Turkish origin voters in Germany continue to vote to the left in German elections and to the right at home. There it is. Because it turns out that if you, even if you're ultra-conservative, if you go to a foreign country and you know that all of the left-wing parties are going to give you free handouts, make it easier for your culture to gain prominence in that country, and also make it easier for you to import your own family members over, obviously that's what you're going to vote. Especially when a lot of these foreign, um, a lot of these left-wing parties don't just do all that. They allow you to maintain your own culture when mm -hmm. you get in as well, because they think it's racist to say that you have to assimilate. What do you think of this idea then? Because this is an idea I've kind of been floating about, and it's obviously directly related to this. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.